0: Okay, if you've got your program, um, open it up to the outline. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Thank you for joining us today. Those of you who are in the pavilion enjoying this great weather, stay out of the donuts until we get out there, okay? We've been in this series now for a few weeks. This is part five. We've been talking about the question that Jesus asked his disciples 2,000 years ago, Who do you say I am? We've been asking the question, who is Jesus really? And we've looked at, like Julie said, not only who Jesus is, but what Jesus does. We've talked about how Jesus forgives my sins, how he is Messiah. We've talked about how Jesus meets my needs. We've talked about how Jesus understands my temptations. Last week, Pastor Rich taught about how Jesus calms my fears. And today I want to talk about how Jesus directs my path. Because the question in life is where do you look when you need direction in life? When you've got a big decision to make and you're not sure what to do, where do you go for answers? If you need to know the path to take and you're not really sure you're on the right path, where do you turn? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, the truth is sometimes... It can be hard to know whether you're on the right path in life. And the reason for that is there are so many voices crowding in to our lives, telling us what to do. There are so many places that you can turn to for advice, for answers, for direction. When you're lost and you need direction, where do you turn for guidance? When you're not sure this is what I this is the road, the path, the fork in the road. This is the decision I should make, the road I should take. Where do you turn for guidance? When you feel lost. When you feel like should I quit my job? Or should I double down and stay here and ride this out? Should I reinvest and hope things get better on this current career path? Should I leave this area? Should I put down some deep roots and make central Florida My long-term home. Should I put my kids in private school? Should I homeschool? Should I rent an apartment? Should we refinance? Should I move out? How do you make these decisions? Where do you turn for answers? Or do you just try to figure it out on your own? Today I want to talk about how we can trust Jesus to direct our path. In specific ways, what does that look like? How can we trust him with the decisions in our life? Whether they're big decisions or small decisions. Ultimately, when we're faced with a tough decision, and we need wisdom, and we need guidance, often Jesus is the last place that we turn. Isn't that true? No, no, Jerry, we're Christians. Of course we turn to Jesus. Look, one of the reasons why we don't turn to Jesus right away Because sometimes we're afraid of the answer we know he's going to give us. He's going to give us a direction. He's going to point us on a path that we don't really want to take that step. Because the truth is, often when Jesus gives a direction, it is not the easiest path. It's almost never the path that everyone else is taking. Following Jesus oftentimes take us, takes us down the road less traveled. In fact, Jesus said it was going to be this way. Look what he look how he describes it himself in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter seven. It's towards the end of the the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew is found in Matthew's five chapter five, six, and seven. Middle of chapter seven, Jesus says. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only if you find it. Only if you ever find it. Jesus gets to the heart of it right here. He says, When we follow him, when we allow him to be the leader of our life, when we follow Jesus and we allow Jesus to be the leader of our life and direct our path, it's going to create some tension in our life. It's going to create some angst in our life. Rarely, rarely, rarely will Jesus lead us in the same direction that the rest of the world is going. It's seldom the path of least resistance. When we need direction, Jesus says there's, there's often a path that everyone else is taking, but it's going to lead you away from God's best, his best path and his best plan for your life. It's going to take us away from the reason God created us, the life that he created us to live. You think back in your life to one of those painful times, those painful decisions that you made apart from consulting Jesus. And and at the time, the decision seemed right. It at least seemed like this is what I want for my life, for my family. This is what I want for me right now. It seemed right. But looking back with hindsight now, if you could go back, if I offered you a time machine and you could go back and, and change that decision, you would. You would choose the harder path, the narrow path, because you see what the results were of that decision in hindsight. Maybe it was moving too fast into a relationship. Maybe it was not asking for God's guidance in a career or a business decision. Maybe it was taking on debt you never should have taken on. Maybe it was a decision that you made that lacked integrity, and you knew it lacked integrity, but you did it anyway. And although we can't go back, And we can't change our past. Today, we can choose our future. That's why Jesus boldly tells us that when we come to a fork in the road, when we come to a decision in our life, big or small, he tells us we can trust him to be our leader, or Lord is the word we've been learning in this series. We can trust him. To be our leader and our Lord. Because his path always leads to life. And that's what I want us to focus on. What does that look like? How? How do I allow Jesus to direct my life? Not just in a Bible verse. Not just in a sign or in a song. But how do I allow him to direct my path in in real life? In 2022. As we're heading into the end of the year. We're going to be... Going into 2023, which is obviously going to be, it's finally the best year, right? I mean, people have been like, I can't wait till 2019 is over. And then 2020, we want to smack those people. And I like, guess now 2021, it's all over, woo, 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 you know. And it's 2020 is like, I told you at the beginning of this mess, I hope we don't get to 2030 and say, 2020, that's when all this stuff started, Right. How do we make the best of our life, the rest of our life, the best of our life? How do I allow Jesus to direct my path and allow him to really be the Lord of my life? What's that look like? So I want you to jot down a few things on your outline. Because it doesn't just happen. You don't just say, I'm going to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided. There's are some decisions that we have to make, and really we have to keep making them. There are some decisions we have to make to allow Jesus to direct our path in the way of life. First one, I want you to jot down, Jesus directs my path when I seek his direction for every decision. So I want you to write down the word seek, and then I want you to circle the word every. Okay, Jesus directs my path when I seek his direction for every decision decision. No matter who you are, no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what you do for a living, we all have to make decisions, don't we? Significant decisions every day in our lives. And it's inevitable that all of us humans, we are going to make some of those decisions and they are going to be bad decisions. They are going to be the wrong decision. They are going to be "Eh, wrong answer. Our life is littered with those, with those decisions, we know this is true. None of us gets into the decision-making process thinking to ourselves, you know what, I really want to make a really stupid decision right here. I really want to make a bad decision. I want to make the worst decision possible. Sometimes you think that about your teenagers, right? You're thinking, they're thinking, I, what, what will tick my dad off the most, you know? And I think God looks at us sometimes and he says, is that what they're asking? What's going to take their really father off the most, you know? We don't go into this thing, I don't really want to make a decision that's going to hurt me and hurt all those around me. I want to make a decision that's going to bring the most stress into my life. You're like, I'm good at that, right? Oh, wouldn't it be great to make a decision that will just embarrass me and my whole family? Let's put the decision on Facebook. There you go. Bad decision followed by more bad decisions, right? That's what I want. Or YouTube or TikTok, wherever you're at. And some of you are like, what's Facebook? You're young. (laughs) That is not how we go into decisions. How can I make the worst decision possible? Good decisions are always the goal. We did a whole series about what's the wise thing to do. But good decisions are not always the result. And here's why. We don't really seek Jesus' direction for every decision. Even as devout Christians, many of us who claim I'm a Christ follower, we don't seek Jesus' direction in every decision in our lives. Now, don't get me wrong. We will seek Jesus' decision when we don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Can you pray for me that I'll know what to do? Jesus, will you tell me what to do? We will seek Jesus' direction when we're scared. ring in my, when we're worried. We will seek Jesus' direction when we are stressed out and especially when we are desperate. But for those decisions that we already know what we want to do, a lot of times we don't even bother or ask Jesus. We think we can figure this out on our, on our own, ourselves. I've already done this before, 13 times. I can do it again. I think we would be a lot less scared and we have a lot less stress if we trusted Jesus with all of our decisions, every decision, big or small. There are always consequences when we make decisions apart from jesus big consequences small consequences big decisions small decisions if you don't seek god's direction for your career you're going to miss out on god's best plan for your career if you don't seek jesus's direction for a potential relationship that you're headed into hmm then you may get into it and get hurt you may get into it and realize i should have never been in a relationship with this person You'll end up with somebody you should have never been with. Sometimes asking Jesus for direction, it leads to life. You can't see it right away, but I can tell you, most of the time when you don't ask Jesus for direction or in a decision, the worry and the stress and the insecurity comes into your life rather quickly instead of peace and security. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. What decisions are you facing right now? Big ones and small ones. Urgent ones, or ones that don't really seem that important right now. Remember, Jesus is Lord, so our instinct should always be to pray, Hey, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What is the best path for me to take? I want to do this, but is this what you want me to do? The last five times, Lord, I did this, but is this what you want me to do this time? Ask him those questions and let him direct your path. The second thing, Jesus directs my path when I study the Bible to know what path is true. Now we talk a lot about reading your Bible. I had somebody ask me a, an STP question this week. In my small groups, we call that a stump the pastor question. And I love it when people ask me stump the pastor questions. I'm not asking for a lot more of you to do that, believe me. Because it tells me, yeah, they're really reading their Bible. And they come past one of those passages that makes you go, huh? What in the world? This doesn't seem right. This bugs me. What that? Jerry, what in the heck? Right? And they send me an email. And I don't answer those, just so you know. <laughs> See how I'm not going to get a lot more from you? Actually, my, my number one answer, my small group will tell you, Jerry's number one answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I've asked that question, too. Listen. If you read the Bible, you come up with some things that we go, what? Well, I don't know. But let me tell you, that's, that's, that's a small portion of the time. The Bible's very clear on all the things we already know. You don't have to spend so much time worrying about what we don't know. Let's just focus on hey, if I could just do what I already do know, that's where I, struggle. I still struggle with love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's like enough. For me this week. You met some of my. No I have great neighbors. You met some of my Facebook friends though. Oh my. Here's the truth. You need. A clearly thought out. Philosophy of life. You need. A moral foundation. For life. You need a conviction that gives you stability when life starts to go sideways, when life starts spinning out, of, when the, the hurricanes of the world come through, not the literal ones, but the figurative ones, when they come through your life, when your life is turned upside down and you don't know which way is up, relationally, financially, professionally, physically, medically, You need a foundation in life that can show you what is true and what is right. A foundation that cuts through all the moral ambiguity and confusion of this age. I believe one of the reasons that so many people, so many parents bring their kids to our kid zone and power up is because parents say, you know, I want want my child to have a godly foundation. I want them to have a moral foundation. I think that's why they bring them, their middle schoolers, 40 of them show up every Wednesday night. I want them to know God and to be led by God from the very start. Let me start them in kindergarten and bring them every single week. That's why parents drive their kids here on Wednesday nights. But here's what I want you to understand. A moral foundation and a map for life is just as important for adults as it is for children. And fortunately, every principle that we need to live our life it's right here in the Bible. It's found in God's Word. The Bible, in fact, I love this next verse. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet. This is Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet, and it is a light for my path. And I love this because... When you need direction and things are foggy, when you need direction and it's dark in your world, when you need direction and it's right now, it's hard to know what's true. Who do I believe? Do I believe the media? Do I believe conventional wisdom? Do I believe the politicians? Good grief, are you kidding me? Who do I believe for truth? Who can you trust? We all face that, right? We all have those times where I'm going it's cloudy, it's murky. Everybody has an opinion. Poll your Facebook friends. You know, put a put a survey on Twitter. You'll get a hundred different opinions. And you only ask for two. When we're not sure where to go, which way to go, what to decide, God says, My word, of the Bible, is always true. God says that. I don't say that. God says that. I believe that. I've found it to be true in my life. The Bible says it is a lamp to cut through the fog of this age. It's a light to show us what is true and what is best for our life, everything that we need. By the way, if you want to learn to study the Bible, you should be signing up for Pastor Rich's class 201, How to have spiritual maturity. Maturity matters. He spends a ton of time giving you practical, here's how to do it, helps with how to study the Bible. If you haven't taken class 101, you can't get to 201, but you can knock out 101 by signing up for that with me. The principles to build our life on are right here in the Bible. You can trust the Bible to be true. It has stood the test of time. And here's the deal. God loves you. He wants you to find his path. He's not trying to hide it. This isn't a game God's playing. God says, you want to know my path for your life? You want my help with your decisions? Well, seek Jesus for every decision and study my word and I will show you the path to take. Almost everything in the Bible tells you about what is true or about God's purpose for your life, about understanding which path to take. But here's what you have to understand. Almost everything the Bible tells us goes exactly against what the rest of the world is doing. It's almost the opposite of conventional wisdom. So you can't just live your life doing what is popular because God says, you know, my principles for living, my principles for money, My principles for sex, my principles for almost every other area of life is almost always the opposite of what's coming out of Hollywood, what's coming out of Washington, what's coming out of Madison Avenue, what's coming out of culture. Today more than ever, you need to settle in your mind, what are you going to live your life based on? Are you going to live your life based on science? Or what they say is science? Or are you going to put your life in the principles of God's word and his truths? What truths are you going to live by? Matthew 7:24, Sermon on the Mount again. Jesus is closing the Sermon on the Mount now. And he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Circle that word, wise. It's like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. Let me just ask you this kind of a duh question, right? Would you rather be wise or foolish? Not a your question. Uh, I don't know, you know. (laughs) You got to choose in advance. I want to be wise. We did a whole series on that. If you haven't heard the greatest question ever series, you should go back and listen to that. Probably ten more years before we do it again. That's right. We want to be wise. We talk about that all the time. Jesus tells you how to be wise, he says, listen, you're wise when you listen and follow my words, my teaching, Jesus says, because what you're doing is you're building your life on a firm foundation, a solid rock. So you're not going to be shaken when the, it even says, when the floods rise up and when the winds blow, you're going to, your house isn't going to go splat like the song says, your house is going to stand firm. Why? Because you've been studying the Bible. You've been applying this to your life. You've been saying, you know what? The wise thing for me to do is to do what Jesus says to do. Jesus directs my path when I seek his direction, but i got to ask. And Jesus directs my path when I study the Bible, but i got to open it. Number three, Jesus directs my path when I saturate my life with godly teaching. Would you fill that in When I saturate my life with godly teaching? If you've been attending Seminole Community Church for any amount of time, you know that our goal is to share with you godly truth from the Bible. It's not what I think that matters. Who cares what Jerry thinks? He roots for the dolphins. I mean, that's already a strike against you for half of the crowd, right? I see the hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think either. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what your friends think. What matters is what does God say? So that's what we focus everything on when we talk about godly teaching. From the beginning of Christian faith, sitting under godly teaching has been an important part of spiritual growth for Christians. It's been one of the primary ways that we gain God's direction and God's insight and God's wisdom is from... Teaching. The Apostle Paul had a young man that he mentored. The man's name was Timothy. Timothy learned under Paul's godly teaching and insight. And eventually, Timothy goes on and he becomes a pastor. He he becomes a pastor to teach other people what Paul had taught him. Paul taught Timothy. Timothy pastored and taught these others. Look at the encouragement that Paul writes to Timothy. As his mentor in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verses 2 to 4. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming. Circle for a time is coming. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. You could if you wanted to. I'm not saying to change the word of God at all. But for me when I read for a time is coming, I would I would write down in the not scratch it out, but write down next to it, it's here. It's here. Time is not coming. A time is here when people will no longer listen to sound of wholesome teaching. It's here. They follow their own desires. Are you kidding me? We're letting little kids follow their own desires. They'll look for teachers who tell them whatever they, their itching ears want to hear. You can find anybody who will validate whatever crazy idea you have. There are plenty of people who tell you all the reasons why. Oh, yeah, that's a valid position, a valid You know, we used to call them diagnoses, you know. But no, no, that's a valid lifestyle, a valid, you know, you do whatever you want. You're your own God anyway. And they probably are. Because they reject the truth and they chase after myths. So Paul gives this warning to Timothy. Y'all, he gave this warning 2,000 years ago. Sometimes we think it's always been this bad. You know, it's worse than it's ever been. No, it's always been this bad. Right after he writes this, Paul ends up being killed by the, by the Romans. Right after he writes this, they're burning Christians at the stake and feeding them to Elias' den. We're going to be talking about the persecuted church in a couple of weeks. It's always been persecuted. Paul gives Timothy this warning. He says, There's a time coming when people are going to stop listening to godly teachings. They're only going to listen to whatever people tell them and scratch their itching ears. They're going to miss out on the truth of God's word. This is why being here on Sunday, every Sunday, or tuning in online every Sunday is so important. Because you're allowing God to saturate your life with godly teaching. And that's, that's so important. Why? Because there's so many voices speaking into our lives right now. you got to get your kids here. I know it's convenient. Listen, I love that you're watching online if you're watching online, but what are your kids watching right now online? We don't do kids' own online. You know, we need them here so that we can help influence their life into a godly outcome. That's why we put off so many resources on Wednesday night because we realize with so many blended families that all of times you don't have your kids on Sunday. But if you could fight and get custody of them every Wednesday... And bring them here, I promise you if they go from kindergarten to high school on Wednesday nights here, they will have a different trajectory to their life. Why? Because of the godly teaching that they're going to get. To so counterbalance all those voices, all that all that screen time. Listen, there's so many people that want to run your life. They want to tell you how to live your life. you got family telling you what you should do. You have social media telling you what's right. You have... Voices in the media telling you what's true and what's not true. You have friends telling you what you should do. You should just, you should never, you should, everybody has an opinion on your life. And they point you down, they all have one thing in common. You know what it is? They point you down that wide, easy path that everybody's going down. And and then we're seduced into thinking, oh, that's life. That's real life. We think the destruction that's put in front of us is life. Being here with your church family on Sunday morning is a way to recalibrate. Being here with your church family or tuning in every Sunday morning is a way to reboot your system. To clear out all the fragments of of lies that have been sold to us as truth. Because when you're here, you're not just checking a box. You're not saying, hey, God, I'm here. You know, Make sure you give me some points. God's like, I don't have a point system. I'm not keeping track of that. You might keep track of that. You may be a scorekeeper. God doesn't keep score. You realize this, right? Score was settled 2,000 years ago on Calvary. We win. No more scorekeeping for those of us who are in Christ. But sometimes we feel like, depending on whatever religious system or whatever family, hey, I did a good thing, I went to church. It's not a good thing that you did to come to church. It's a good for you thing. It's about saturating your life with godly teaching so that you can be reminded and instructed about what's right, what's good, what's true. So you can stay on the right path. Have you ever been in a service where you sat down and the pastor or the teacher taught on something and you were just like, how did they know? How in the world did they know this is exactly what's going on in my life? I felt like you were speaking right to me. People say that to me all the time. And I'm like, it's because your wife sends us email. We know what's going on in your life. (laughs) Like, I I knew it. I knew she was. I'm like, no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. It's because God knows the future. He knows who's going to be here. He knew you were going to be here even when you didn't plan on being here. And he knew that what I was going to say, and sometimes he tells me what to say in the middle of saying it, and I don't even have it written down. I got a great testimony I hope that I can get on video for someone that. They, they like did a double dog dare to God. God, if, if you're really real, then you have Jerry say this. And they didn't tell me. And God didn't tell me. And all of a sudden I said it. And they were like, God's really real. And then when they told me, I was like, He really is? It's a God thing. Listen, when, when you feel like God is speaking right, when, when what I say or what Pastor Rich says is speaking right to you, that's a God thing. He, God is speaking right to you. I don't have any idea what's going on in your life, unless you put it on Facebook. Then I'm already praying for you. That's what God does, so I don't want to miss being together with my church family, because I will miss what God wanted to direct me or say to me. My, my pastor who ordained me, Homer Lindsay Jr., used to say, "Every time you miss church, it's like missing a chapter of your life." What God wants to say to you? Like, oh, that's them. It's not about we need you here. It's not about we want to. I mean, I'm glad to see you, but I, I, it doesn't make or break my Sunday. If you show up or not, I mean, I love you. But if you're not here, no big deal. I'll hug somebody else. (laughs) But if you're not here, it's a big deal for you. Because you're going to miss out on God speaking to you. Now, I know. Sometimes you can't be here. On a Sunday. I realize Or you can't tune in online. Just as good to tune in online. Unless you have kids who are missing out. But if you can't be here on Sunday or you can't tune in online at 9 or 1045 live, that's okay. You can still watch on Monday. Sunday night, you can download it. In fact, I encourage people who are here. It's okay to Totally fine to download the message. Like your mind got to wandering or, you, you know, something caught your attention. It's okay. Download the message while you're on the treadmill, while you're, while you're driving to work on Monday, while you're working out to re-listen. you think, like, man, I missed that. Man, I missed that. Some of you sit through two services because you serve in some area. You're like, did he say that in the second service, in the first service? Like, sometimes it's a little different. So saturate yourself. Number four, Jesus directs my path. When I surround myself with his people for godly advice. These are the things. You want to know God's direction for your life? These are the decisions you've got to make. Sometimes in life we're like, well, how did I get here? Why did I, I thought God was directing my path. No. You didn't ask God, ask Jesus about this. You, you haven't looked at your Bible in months. You, you, you're, you're every now and then here, hearing a message. And you haven't surrounded yourself for godly people, for godly advice. Now, this is important. When, when you come to Seminole Community Church on Sundays, you are surrounding yourself with people. But we all know that on Sunday morning, and that's so important, but it's not enough because you don't get to spend a lot of time getting any advice from people. I mean, I hope you're taking advantage of going out and not just having a, a donut. We don't, we don't serve donuts because we want to fatten you up. Okay? We serve donuts to make connecting with people easier. We serve coffee and donuts so that you can kind of connect, have a, have a social environment where you can meet some new friends, some friends who eventually are going to say, hey, why don't you come to small group with me, or why don't you join um, a class with me, or hey, maybe our kids could have a play date together. Some of the best, some of the most spiritual conversations on this campus happen on the playground between a couple of moms who are stressed out with preschoolers. Of course they are. This is why it's important to be in a life group. Life groups are designed to put you in a place where you can be around other people and receive godly advice. People are going through life the same things you're going through. Sometimes we want to skip that part. We're like, well, you know, Jerry, I'm busy. Really what you're saying is, I'm too busy. To have Jesus direct my path, I mean, I'm not going to be here on Sunday, but I can't really do anything else. I'm just too busy right now to be in a life group. can't skip this part because we need to understand a big way that God is going to direct our path in life is through other people, through other Christians. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. But he's not talking about just any friend. He's talking about a friend who is also seeking Jesus' direction in their life as well. We need somebody who loves God, who can give us advice about our career, give us advice about our relationships, give us advice about our kids. We don't want just anybody giving us advice. Your small group is the best people who love you the most. In fact, they may be the only people praying for you praying about what you're going through. Maybe they've already been through what you're going through. Maybe they've already faced what you're facing. Maybe their perspective, maybe they say to you, but don't do what I did. Why not? Well, because look what happened. Here's the result. People who have already been maybe through a broken relationship or through a career decision or through that same health crisis. Maybe you find somebody in a small group in your life group that's just a few steps ahead of you. In their spiritual walk. And they can really encourage you. They can really help to mentor you. Sometimes you sign up for a life group and people say to me, Well, Jerry, I didn't find anybody in the group who, who was or three steps ahead of me to help me along. Well, maybe God put you in that group because you're two or three steps ahead of them. So that you can help bring them along. The point is, when we make room in our schedules, and really we're making room in our life, for those relationships, those godly relationships, we put ourselves in a better place to hear God's clear direction for our life. It's not just one of these things. I've got to consider Jesus. I've got to study the Word. I've got to be under godly teaching. And then I've got to be around some godly friends who are going to help encourage me on. Proverbs 12. You don't think this is true? Proverbs 12:15. Fools think their own way is right. But the wise, you said you wanted to be wise. The wise listen to others. Now, if you don't have any godly friends in your life, you should decide today that in January I'm going to get in a 40 days group. In January, the second week of January, we're going to start 40 days of faith. And we're going to have 300, 400 people. We're bound to find 12 people that will accept you, and that will like you. We have 400, we'll find 12. Eight out of the 12 anyway, okay? Eight out of 12 people that you wouldn't mind being in a picture with, that you wouldn't mind sharing some coffee and some cookies with, you should make the decision now. You know he's right. I've been putting this off for long enough. I'm going to get in because here's what it is. Everybody's like, I want to join one today, Jerry. Too late. You should have gotten in in September when we started new groups. Well, but I'll come today. Can I come to a group tonight? You know, they're kind of full. They're kind of already gelling. Well, I got to wait. Waiting might do you some good. You got to commit and then clear some things off of your schedule so that you can figure out what night of the week or what day of the week and what time of the day. Fits for you. It's not a big commitment. It's 90 minutes for six weeks in a row. It's not that big a commitment, but it can be a life changing commitment if you could develop that habit. You could make that decision today. Now, if you've been in a group, you already joined a group, but you've been kind of sloughing off. You've been kind of like, oh, you know, this is the time of year. Right around Halloween is when. All the freshmen in college—they're like, all, they're all ready to bail. It's like drop add is right around this time, midterms are right around this time. They're like, "You pray for me, mom. I'm dying here." You know, I mean, they're stressed out. And it's—it's—it's it's, it's the middle of the fall for for families. Everybody's busy, and everybody's tired. And some of y'all are grouchy. And we're heading into the holidays, it's just going to get worse, right? And I mean, some people are a little, like, too, look, if you already have Christmas decorations, uh, please pray for the rest of us. It's a little too much for me right now. It's, you know, I saw a wreath in my neighborhood. I'm like, what? That's a Christmas wreath. Maybe they've added up all year. Maybe that's been the thing. No, they they added it. Um, listen, if you've been stuffing off, of your get back in it. If your name's on their roster, jump back in. Get back in the habit now. Start going again. I know it's a lock where you've missed five out of the last six times. Jump back in. Get ready because what's happening in January, you're going to be a part of. All right, I got to roll through this. So. To get Jesus to direct your path, we seek his direction for every decision. We study the Bible because we want to know what's true. We saturate our lives with godly teaching. We surround ourselves with people for godly advice. And then the final decision, Jesus directs my path when I submit to him as Lord. We don't like that word. So you could put surrender. If you don't like submit, surrender would be fine. We don't like that word either, do we? But that's what it means. I've got to surrender to Him, submit to Him as Lord. That's why we started with Jesus as Messiah. He comes to forgive our sins. So I'm going to follow Him. Because here's the thing. If, if we're not careful, there's a lot of things in our life who will decide to take over as Lord of our life. There's a lot of people in our life who will take over our life and try to be Lord of our life. They will make claims on our life. They will try to direct our life. They will try to be the Lord and the controller of our life. For some people, it's their job, or it's money, or it's an addiction. There's a lot of things that will try to control us. But when we submit to Jesus, that means we yield authority to him in our life. We yield all control and all authority to Jesus. We're saying, Jesus, I'm allowing you to have complete control of my life. We don't like the word submit. We don't like the word surrender. We certainly don't like the word control. Because for some of us, we don't want to submit to anything or anyone, do we? We don't ever want to relinquish control. We want to, I want to pick my own direction. Jerry, I want to choose my own path. It's my life. I'm an American. It's an American right. It's, I'm going to make my choices. Yes, God gives you that right to make your own choices. Now, I want you to look at your life, this bad country song of a life. And I want you to decide, how good of a God are you, really? Because I would submit that not very many of us are very good gods. Most of us, we need to resign as general manager of the universe and let him take control of our messed up life. Because we feel like, well, I know what's best. I'm the decision maker here. You know, even sometimes as a Christian, what we think is, or this is how we live life anyway, we think that, it's okay to be a Christian and not let Jesus be the Lord of certain areas of our life. We say things like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus, but, but Jesus, I'm going to be Lord of my career. I mean, you know, I went to school for this, you know. And, and Jesus, I'm going to be Lord of my money. Or I'm going to be Lord of my dating life. Lord, you can, be, you can be Lord on Sunday. But on Saturday night, man, that's my time. You can, you, you can, here's the thing. This sounds so basic, but I need to say it. We are not really a follower of Jesus if we're not following Jesus. Duh, right? Well, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. Do you follow No. <laughs> you probably should rethink that. We can't be a follower of Jesus if we're not following Jesus. We may be following something or someone. Else, we may be following ourselves, directing our own paths. But if we're not following Jesus, well, He's not going to bless our life. He's not going to bless our path. We're going to go farther and farther away from God's plan for our life. Remember what Jesus said. Remember what Jesus. When we say Jesus is Lord, remember what Lord means. Lord means Jesus. You're you're the boss. You're the Lord over all the things in my life. You're the ruler, not just of creation, but of my life. I. Voluntarily submit and surrender to you as Lord. Jesus as Lord means He's the leader in everything you do. In John 14, 6, Jesus says it this way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What He's saying is, you want to know the best way? I am the way. He says, you want to know the truth? I am the truth. He says, you want to experience real life? You need to understand, I am the life. So he says, stop trying to do what everybody else is doing. They're all going the wrong way. So he says, "Ah, listen, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he adds this. He says, no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, not only am I the way, the truth, and the life, but you can't experience eternal life, and you can't, Have a relationship and find God without me, apart from me. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus. But there's still an area of your life that you haven't really submitted to him. Jesus is Lord. Why don't you decide to do that today? Or maybe you're here today and you aren't a follower. You didn't walk in as a follower of Jesus. You've never asked Jesus to direct your path. And because of that, man, life feels heavy. The weight of all these decisions. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus made it clear that through him you can have a relationship with God and you can make the decision to become a follower of Jesus today. And you will experience so much peace and so much freedom when you finally do that, when you make him the Lord and the leader of your life. How do you do that? It's our last verse. It tells us how. Romans 10, 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you bow your heads with me? First, I want to pray for those of you who are here, and you didn't walk in today as a follower of Jesus. You've you've never let Him be the Lord or the leader of your life. If today you're ready for the first time to give Jesus control and to follow Him, the verse that we just read tells you how to do it. It says, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that Jesus died for your sins, and He overcame the power of sin and death, when he was raised to new life on Easter. Do you believe that in your heart? Do you believe that God loves you that much? That he cares for you that much? That he has a plan for your life? That's the first thing to believe. Then the other part is you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart, but then you say, Jesus, you are Lord. You're in control. Please take control of my life. And that's what you need to say, God. I believe, you raised Jesus from the dead to pay for my sins, and God, I want to follow Jesus from now on. Jesus, please forgive me and come into my life. That's all you have to say. Maybe you're here today and you're already a follower of Jesus, but there's a part of your life that honestly has not been under His control. You won't let Him lead that area. Could be a relationship. You know you're not doing what God wants you to do, and it could be your career. You haven't been asking God for guidance. It could be any area of your life. Right now, would you just take a that area and would you surrender it to Him and say, "God, here it is. I've been holding this back." Would you say to Jesus as your Lord, "Say, Jesus, you be the Lord, or the the leader of this of this area. I give it to you, and I trust you with it with all my heart." Heavenly Father, thank you that you lead us down the right path. The path to joy and freedom and then to eternal life. Help us all to allow Jesus to direct our path. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. It's Mel. Hopefully what you learned here today will help you find the path that God has for you so you can move ahead in confidence. Have a great Sunday. See ya.